LinkedIn is one of the greatest resources there is. Build yourself a great, great profile that when people click on it, they go, wow, this guy's accomplished. This person is professional. This person is proficient. It's not necessarily, you don't have to actually have work experience. You don't have to have a lot of, you don't need a master's degree. Just the way that you package what you do have together and the content that you curate, it illustrates the kind of person you are. It's an ultimate platform for marketing yourself. Hey, beautiful people, and welcome to the first episode of Sahu, the growth and leadership podcast. Podcast dedicated to knowledge sharing from executives, young professionals, and entrepreneurs across the world. Today's guest is a real representation of the risk and reward strategy. Working and studying as a financial advisor in South Africa, he moved to China to teach where he worked in China as well as Vietnam, and now is currently in Singapore and is chatting to us live from Singapore. And this gentleman is Michael Booth. Hey, Michael Booth, how are you? <laughs> hey, Chef. It's uh, great to be here. Nice, nice to see you properly in person, mate. Yeah, it, it definitely is. I think we've been planning this for a little while, and I've had this idea of starting this podcast in the back of my head for a little while. And we've been running back and forth. And uh, I think now we're here and now we finally take yeah. it off and slowly let's That's add value and change some lives. Great, great initiative, man. Um, I hope that people are going to get some good value out of uh, what we're going to talk about here today. Um, that's the whole point of it, right? Definitely, definitely, definitely. And uh, how's, your, how's your recent move to Singapore? It's been 18 months, I think, roundabout. Yeah, roughly. Jeez, man. Time flies when you working hard i guess people say having fun but i don't know what what that is um yeah singapore is a wonderful country it's a it's a first world country it's a very unique place compared to the other countries in asia i've lived in yeah um vietnam and china are great um for different reasons but then you come here it's a first world nation with uh, powerful money literally um <laughs> one singapore dollar is uh, almost 12 rand so i mean compare that to the other nations or surrounding nations of Southeast Asia, and they have almost no buying power. Um, so unique country as well, because there's only 5 million people here. So it's literally, um, we like to say that this isn't a country, it's a business. Um, and the government run it like a board of directors. Uh, it's it's brilliant, really. Everything here just works. I'm, I'm very happy to be here. <laughs> a whole different change, I guess, from, from teaching. And obviously I mentioned the risk and reward uh, sort of perspective and you took some risk about two years ago maybe more and uh, yeah. you've just gone from strength to strength uh, in terms of reward and just increasing your position and standing in in the market with what you've achieved yeah i, I guess man when you put in when you put in words like that you make me sound great but um, <laughs> i really i've really just been on a, a massive adventure with um with the woman that i love um so Essentially, in 2017, uh, my girlfriend and I left South Africa, little old East London, and we ventured off into the great unknown. I'd never left the country um, and gone overseas before, so that was interesting. And basically, uh, Ashley, who's my girlfriend and now my fiance, um, she said to me, I'm, I'm leaving South Africa. You can stay or you can come. <laughs> um, Quite an ultimatum. <laughs> So we sold our cars and we sold everything we had and we packed up uh, the small amounts of savings that we had and jetted off to the unknown into Vietnam. Um, oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, it was, it, 
I mean, it's, it's, it's been a really great experience and um, I don't think I would have got this far by myself. It's, it's very like your support system when you're going through very difficult times is very important. And, you know, having Ashley next to me along the way and cheering me on and, you know, shoulder to crown, it's, it's really helped. I definitely don't think I'll be the same without it. <laughs> definitely, definitely. I, I definitely can see that from the way you speak about Ashley. It's, it's definitely a strong bond and it's, it's a lifelong partner. And I think it changes your way you're building a professional career when you have a partner that's sort of on the emotional level and sort of that sort of standard with you that you kind of complement each other rather than just sort of, how should I say, against each other, but in your own, in your own bubble and then try and come together. It's more of a compatibility sort of perspective and working together to achieve a common goal. I would I would agree with you, man. But um, I think it's it's quite unique to find someone that you you basically have the same vision yeah. of what you want to have out of life, and you find that out from the very early onset of your relationship, and you're able to pursue it wholeheartedly, no matter the cost. I mean, we've both always wanted to travel the world and see different, far-reaching, wonderful places. Uh, we both value education very highly and so we pursued our studies for the last you know three and a bit years since we've been abroad and um we don't we don't intend to stop and okay so i mean it's it's a it's an entirely different perspective working working abroad and also building a relationship with your partner in a new environment without and just relying on that support structure of your partner on each other not just on your partner, but on each other to continuously grow and motivate each other. And what, what has that been like? And I mean, what advice do you have or perspective, I should say, for the guys that are in sort of that position now that want to leave South Africa due to the current economic climate with, with very low job opportunities and have that opportunity to get visas and immigration opportunity and stuff. What, what is your perspective on that to, to leave with your partner? Uh, not only leave alone, but take that risk and leave with your partner as well. Um, so I've seen a few of my friends actually leave the country with um, girlfriends and uh, a lot of them have actually ended up breaking up and they haven't been very happy. Um, it's not easy. You're going to the unknown, depending where you go. I mean, if you go to an English speaking country, it's, it's probably going to be, you, you'll fit in and assimilate. So it's not going to be that difficult, but yeah. I, I think Going to the places that we went, we didn't go to mainstream cities in Vietnam. We didn't go to Hanoi or Ho Chi Minh. We went to the middle of nowhere um, where there were literally, I don't know, a handful of foreigners, probably 10 of us in total. And um, we got pointed at every day and, you know, people had never seen anyone who looked like us. It was, it was strange. Um, so I would say that your your partner is your full support system when you're alone you're six to eight hours ahead of your family and friends yeah. uh, everyone's asleep when you need them most and um so your partner takes on a lot of roles you know they become your doctor they become your um your nurse they become your best friend they become your lover they, they everything to you you know um you you are the mechanic you the fix it all you the everything you know and so when it's just the two of you, you literally, you have no choice but to succeed, right? Because yeah. when you're against the wall, there's no one else who can help you. It's just, I'll help her and she'll help me and just get on with it. Um, 
it's I would say that overall the journey itself hasn't been that um, it hasn't been easy. But the destinations and the places we've been, the things we've enjoyed, it's been so fantastic. Um, so that the, the question that you posed me is kind of twofold. So that that's really the relationship part, and then the yeah. second part is obviously leaving everything and and going off on this grand adventure. And how do you how do you even do that? I mean, how do you begin? And for me, and for actually, it was simple enough. We had a friend who lived in um, Vietnam, sent him a message, and we were like, "Hey, we want to come to where you are." And he's like, "Right, I can find you guys some jobs, hopefully, or let you know." And uh, so then we had a series of interviews, and eventually we got offer letters. And next thing I knew, we had booked to Vietnam. I'd never, I'd never flown on an airplane internationally, so we we literally. Flew to Dubai International Airport, and I was amazed by the sheer size and scale of that, and blew my little mind. <laughs> um, and flew from there into uh, Ho Chi Minh City, and connecting flight to the middle of nowhere where they were waiting for us with a truck. And we got in a truck and <laughs> off to the rice paddy fields into the unknown with these strangers, and it was brilliant, really. No, that's that's a that's a unique experience, and I think. Let's let's start from the beginning of your career because you you were a financial advisor in East London, uh, yeah. and then took the jump. Did a, I think it was a TEFL course? Uh, yeah. Became a teacher, and is now associate partner and non-executive director in the South African Chamber in Singapore. So take me through like like your journey through China and Vietnam. I know you mentioned to me a little while ago that you needed to get a visa and through the process, you ended up being smuggled across the border <laughs> to get a visa. So, so tell me about uh, those, those journeys, those, those stories. I think our audience would, uh, or my audience would definitely love to hear it. And um, your LinkedIn audience that you've developed would definitely love to hear those stories as well. Oh yeah. Look, um, there's, there's no shortage of, of horror stories um, that we've endured and been through and the things we've seen. And I mean, there's, there's no shortage. So I think to to start it off, just in terms of okay, so we land before we even get into leaving South Africa. I think just the initial part, right? Yeah. I've always known where my strengths lie in terms of um, sales, marketing, networking, that sort of thing. I've always been very good at public speaking, that sort of thing. And um, my father was a financial advisor. Started his practice in 1984. So I grew up in his environment, working with him every school holiday, every opportunity. I was in his office working with him since I was a little boy. So that heavily influenced, obviously, what I then pursued in my studies. And I went to the university in Port Elizabeth, uh, Nelson Mandela, and I studied financial planning, got a Bachelor of Commerce in financial planning. And um, it was a, a really great program that really puts you in a good position for the line of work. Yeah. Uh, I graduated. and. Um, I had an internship in, in Johannesburg that we'll get into a little bit later. But um, from there, I moved straight and on, uh, I graduated in 2016. And on the 3rd of January 2017, I started working in uh, Little Old Slummies and did the job. Uh, you get given an annual target as a contract. Yeah. And I wrote, I, I wrote my contract within six months and um, I knew there was more for me. And I didn't want to spend the rest of my life in the same place that I had grown up. Yeah. Um, 
as, as nice as it was to go back after being in another city for three years, uh, I wanted to leave eventually. And I think Ashley played a big part in that when she gave us this ultimatum and she said, right, let's go. Um, so I think it, that background is probably important for going forward in, in that um, I always kind of knew what I wanted to do and where my strengths lay. Yeah. So you know, yeah. I had a vision of what I wanted to be in the future and how I got there. I wasn't sure, but I was going to take every opportunity that I could along the way and step my way up. Um, so, yeah, we, we moved to Vietnam and I did something I've never done before. I've never worked closely with children before. I've never, you know, been to a foreign <laughs> country. It was but the money was good. And uh, we adapted and encouraged each other. And we were literally in Vietnam for like less than less than six months. Um, but in that time, we were able to save up more money than I've ever been able to save in my whole life together as a team. And uh, we then, through friends of Ashley's, got uh, an offer to go to China and ended up going to China. And we went there and um, the money was even better. And we, in China, we started, actually started working towards a, a bachelor's degree. And I started my postgraduate with University of Free State um, through distance learning and just pursued those studies for almost two years. And throughout the whole time in China, I was networking, meeting wonderful people, um, did lot, lots of uh, interviews with people. So I would, I would literally... Um, I, I saw a job in, for example, Shanghai or Beijing that was in the realm of finance. Again, staying true to this vision that I had, I wanted to get back into that, but the teaching was just the income and the way for me to study yeah. um, without incurring any debt because we all know student debt is, is a terrible burden. So um, did that. And through, the, through doing that, I met some wonderful people and I was offered some great opportunities. And... Um, yeah, so in, in a long roundabout way, China was a very good time for me because I learned how to network in an international environment, but then I also learned the value of education and working hard because working a full-time job and then studying in the evenings yeah. and yeah. writing your exams and liaising back and forth between South Africa and China for the universities and all of that was daunting um obviously the time but, difference played a played a huge challenge as well yeah and i mean i was, I was just a kid man i was 20 22 basically 23 and we we were in um these wonderful places where no one spoke english at all and i got pointed at every day because i was different <laughs> and you get you get onto the the train service the underground train and children would come up to you and touch you because you're different and it's just bizarre you feel like a zoo animal actually <laughs> so yeah and i guess i think if i could go into the 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 things of china that really worked for me was the year 2019 got me to singapore yeah and yeah. let me explain why so through the process of my interview interviewing for jobs i never got a job by the way, I got an offer, but then they couldn't secure me the visa to work in China. So that, that was a hard, you know, when you, you get your foot in the door for a great company and they say, right, we're going to give you a chance. And then they apply for your paperwork and it's declined. 
Wow. It hurts. Yeah. Um, and they often don't give a reason as to why it's declined. So anyway, um, that didn't deter me. I literally had about, I don't know, five days that I was miserable. I said, all right, cool. So what's next? How do we carry on? And so Ashley and I moved cities and we moved to Wuhan of all places where this coronavirus issue began. We moved to Wuhan. And <laughs> the start of it all, actually. <laughs> of 2020. So we, we, we literally, we got there in 2019, beginning 2019, uh, started working, uh, still doing the English teaching thing, but I was teaching adults now, not kids. And okay. there I was doing a contract where we would train the airport on how to speak English to the foreigners that arrive. It was it was actually pretty cool and rewarding to work with adults because they can express themselves better than children that sometimes. Um, so anyway, we, we chose Wuhan because it was only three hours from Shanghai, Shanghai by bullet train, three or four hours. So that means that if I secured an interview in the big city in Shanghai, I could get on, on my day off, I could get on a train, go there, take an interview and then come back. Yeah. Um, so we, we did that and I stayed in contact with the company that had offered me the job, but I couldn't get the visa. And I said, right, I'm going to work for you for free. I'm going to host events for you in Wuhan. And all you have to do is send some of your representatives to the city to present. So mm -hmm. I'll get the, the food, I'll get the venue, I'll get the people, I'll do the marketing, I'll get everyone along to come to the event. You just have to plug your guys in. You don't pay me for it. You just give me the budget to pay for these things. And they said, Michael, we'll do that. Great. So that was the one element. I worked for this company for free. Yeah. While I was working a full-time job on a contract, while still studying my postgrad. And then once I finished the postgrad, I said to them, okay, guys, this is now finished. So tell me what else should I look at studying that would help me get a visa in the next country? And they said, right, you have to get UK qualified because we're a UK company for yeah. UK wealth managers. So I studied through the Chartered Institute of Securities and Investment and traveled to Shanghai and wrote the test, passed it. And I'll never forget when I passed that test, I cried because I had worked so damn hard hosting the events and um, working for the company for free, as well as then working a full-time job and studying um, honestly. And I was working six days a week. I didn't, you only got one day off in China and I was doing that to make more money. And so it meant so much once I had actually passed this test, I, I had done it. I had overcome the odds and I was like, yes, I've got this thing. And I literally broke down outside the exam room and cried. Um, and this old Chinese grandma came and I was like, here's a tissue. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, it, was, it was a really sweet moment. Um, so 2019 taught me the value of hard work, persistence, and then being willing to do something for free to get you further. And once I got that UK qualification, got my postgrad finished and had hosted these events and stayed in contact with the guys, I got an email from one of the partners of the firm in Singapore. And I'd stayed in touch with him. I'd met him um, previously when I was in the first round of interview process and um, he said, well, Mike, uh, there's a role for you in Singapore. If you wanted, you can choose Singapore or Hong Kong. And having traveled to Hong Kong uh, for four, I think I was there for four days on a holiday. I, I didn't really enjoy it, to be fair. Um, and I traveled to Singapore once before and I really loved it. And so obviously we chose Singapore. And 
the rest is history. The company gave me the chance and brought me in. And so this is still the same company that I worked for for free. They brought me across to Singapore as well. Well, wow. I mean, so, you, you've just went from strength to strength in, in, I mean, from just taking a little bit of, I mean, it's a major risk, but taking a risk and, and getting to where you are now, I mean, it's, it's huge. And I mean, what, 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 what could be the things that maybe you've known before you've taken the risk that it would come in, in sort of starting out? And I mean, guys are obviously thinking about doing TEFL now and are doing TEFL to earn a bit of extra income through sort of e-platforms and stuff. But what do you sort of your advice in terms of maybe TEFL as well as wealth management? What, are, what do you wish you've known before you began on both sort of fronts? So if I could speak to Marco four years ago, I wish I could because it would save me so many headaches and <laughs> breakdowns and tears and stress. Um, first thing, whatever country you're going to go to in anywhere in the world, research the visa requirements. If you do not reach the visa requirements for that country, for that profession, and a company says they're going to get you a job and you don't worry about it, massive red flag. Do not work for that company because the, they're probably going to do some shady stuff and they're going to give you an, the wrong visa and later on in life it might bite you. So just whatever you do, research your visa requirements and make sure you adhere to them strictly because it's not your country. You're a guest in another, in a, in a foreign yeah, nation definitely. to respect their laws. You have to work within their frameworks. And if you, if you don't do that, um, you, you, you destined for, you know, worse than being sent home. Some people get detained in detainment camps. Um, and I've heard horror stories about that. And I'm just really grateful that that didn't happen to us, but we saw it happen to a few people that we know. Um, don't mess around in countries like China with stuff like that. Um, they have very strict rules and they, they have the, the ways and means to figure out anything. They have access to everything in terms of your information in that country. So be careful. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah that's, I mean, that, that's great. And I mean, you mentioned the story to me and I mean, we've been in contact over the years since you've moved across. And I mean, one of the most fascinating stories is the one morning you messaged me and you were like, Shiv, you know what? I just smuggled myself through the border. And <laughs> I definitely want to know that story. And I think both yeah. our viewers would definitely want to know that story of, you know, those are the risks that incur when you, when you start working in other countries and, you know, it gets tough. So that, it, it, was, it was weird. And look, I also want to just put out, I didn't do anything illegal or, or pay anyone off or do anything dodgy. Like it, wasn't, it wasn't that bad. It was just that we were in a really rural part of Vietnam. Um, my visa was coming to an end. And um, in order for me to get a new visa, because I'd started with a company over there, um, I had to leave the country. And it was only 100 kilometers to neighboring Laos from where we were staying. Yeah. So they just said, you go to Laos for the day, um, spend a night there, come back into the country the next day, and then we can process your paperwork and you, you're A to go. Um, and uh, anyway, the trip to Laos is a bus ride on one of the most rural uninhabited parts of central Vietnam through the jungle. Um, and you get to a tiny border post where they don't speak Vietnamese or English. They only speak 
the, the loud language, last language. Um, so I have no cell phone reception, so I can't use Google Translate. And the only um, downloaded language on my phone was Vietnamese and English. So I tried showing them Vietnamese and they were like, Laos, Laos. Like they're explaining <laughs> to me, this is Laos, we don't speak it. Um, so I was just like, oh, sure. So then I got like a pen and paper and like we kind of drew pictures and figured stuff out, like body language and pointing and... <laughs> Lots of smiles and begging and whatever. Anyway, so I get to the border post. Uh, they give me uh, a two-day tourist visa to go into Laos, and I get there. Now, I've arrived in this uh, little place in Laos, and I have to uh, – it's a really small border town. Um, yeah, bizarre place. Anyway, no one spoke, as I've just explained, Vietnamese or English, and um, I had to find a, a place that has internet so I can connect and get the email that has my invitation letter – back into Vietnam, Vietnam from the new company. Yeah. And I have to find a printer in this little town. Um, so I, I went door to door, little shop to little shop, asking for a printer. I drew a picture of a printer. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> and they were all looking at me like, what the hell is this little weird dude doing in our country? <laughs> like, um, eventually found a, a hairdresser and he had a printer and we printed it. And I got the invitation letter and now the next thing was to get onto a bus yeah. and to get onto the bus, uh, I went to a bus stop and they didn't accept Vietnamese money. Oh. And I was like, what am I going to do? Yeah. And there's no, uh, there's no foreign currency desks anywhere around. Imagine yeah. going to the most rural parts of South Africa and then just transporting that to Vietnam. That's where I was. <laughs> um, and so anyway, eventually I get a bus and I get into this bus with these people um, that looked very dodgy. They're very, very skinny guys. They had all messed up teeth, lots of tattoos. They, they looked like gangsters or hoodlums or whatever you want to call them. And um, the bus had actually only had about six to eight seats in it. And the back of the bus was filled with uh, whiskey, all kinds of whiskey. And I, I was like, okay. Um, anyway, it was the last bus going to where I was going. So I got on it and it was, we get to the border post and I go and they look at me, they get my invitation letter, they give me my visa. And all the time I'm dealing with the immigration control of this side, giving them all my paperwork and getting stamped and whatever. The other guys literally like took a case of whiskey and put it down on the side of the road. And then the bus wasn't checked. It just drove through. That's, that's I mean, that's just South Africa in a different perspective. <laughs> and then... Anyway, so now this, this bus with this whiskey, because um, obviously alcohol is cheaper in Laos than it is in Vietnam. So yeah. they do that to bring it across and make a profit. Um, and so then I got back in the bus and eventually, I don't know how many hours later, uh, I, I got there. I got back and everything was fine. New visa, hell of an experience. Um, stressful, <laughs> exhausting, <laughs> scary, but an adventure I'll never forget. No, that's, that's, that's amazing. And I mean, what advice would you give someone sort of pursuing a career similar to yours in wealth management abroad as well? So um, wealth management is probably one of the most cutthroat, cutthroat and competitive industries in the world. Um, yeah. There are lots of businesses that offer a similar service offering and you have to be damn good at what you do and you have to have... Um, the ability to take a lot of rejection and not cower every time you get rejected and you have to build up tolerance to rejection like it was uh, a disease because it is um if you're infected with um with 
if you get infected with no confidence, you, your job is done. You will never make it. So you have to just remain steadfast. Um, but further and wider than just what I do, if you're a young professional and you're trying to leave the country and you're trying to get out there and do something new, I would definitely say take every opportunity you can to get an internship. If there's no internship, approach a company, tell them you'll work for them for free in exchange for experience. That's that I literally got a internship at one of the biggest asset managers in South Africa by doing that. So in 2016, I went um, to a presentation talk. Shiva, I actually think we went to one together um, where we, we went to go to, there was a fund manager road tour. Yes, that was, um, who was that? I think that was Coronation Fund, I think it was. Coronation. So yeah. you and I, we went to Coronation with the view of meeting the fund managers to see if we could potentially work for them. Yeah, That's the kind of stuff you have to do. Now, I was lucky enough that I eventually um, spoke to the one fund manager from um, another company in Johannesburg, a big asset manager, and said to the guy, look, I'd love to work for you, even if I just polish your shoes every morning and listen to your meetings. And he was, he laughed and he was like, I won't make you polish the shoes, but you can get some coffee. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously. <laughs> and so anyway, um, there was no internship program. I just said, I'll come to Johannesburg. Um, I'll have some friends there. I'll sleep on a couch and I'll be in the office first thing every morning and I'll shadow you. I just want to see what you do. And he was a, a fund manager that managed about a billion, billion dollars, US dollars. He had a uh, absolute return fund and I worked with him. And um, it was a brilliant, brilliant experience. So the company didn't have a formal internship program, um, wow. but I took just the initiative. Creating opportunity. I mean, that's, that's what you have to do in sort of a cutthroat environment is create opportunity for yourself. So, I mean, literally I was in my third year at university and every single fund manager talk there was that when they, when they came down, I subscribed to all of them, um, their platforms and received emails where they were like, okay, we're having this talk in your city this time. So I yeah. would literally get in a room with the fund managers, listen to their talk and then say something witty and show them that I understood what they were talking about and show initiative. And out of all the ones I went to, eventually I got the opportunity to go. And when I was up there, I literally, I went into Standard Bank head office and onto their institutional trading floor and I worked there for two days and I literally just watched the institutional traders and I got oh. to see what they do and see what it's like to work in the environment and understand the bank. And then I saw the research guys feeding the traders with what they need to know. And then I saw the actual portfolio managers coming in and speaking with the trade, the traders about what market directions are going for the day. And like, it was just a hive of knowledge and experience. And I literally just got to be a fly on the wall and take notes. And wow. took lots of business cards and added all the people on LinkedIn. Wow. And I mean, that's huge initiative, just growing your network. And I mean, it stands to reason that your network is your net wealth at, at the end of the day. And I mean, you're constantly just learning, even if you're popping them a DM, I mean, on LinkedIn, just to check up on them and just how they're doing and what they're doing in their personal lives, but also in their career as well. And I mean, they, some of them, I wouldn't say all of them, but most of them are are really accepting of just to chat to people. And I think that's what I'm trying to bridge the gap between is those is executives at a high level and um, just lower guys, graduates, and just try, people trying to create that opportunity. Because I mean, not everyone in the world obviously has the, 
the vocabulary as well as just um, charismatic or confidence in, in sort of the thing to engage with these guys. Because I mean, some of them are just in a different world in terms of the conversation and the language they use. And I mean, I felt out of place and I'm sure you did when we, we attended certain roadshows and when they spoke to us. Um, and I mean, it's, it's just huge initiative to, to go, through, go through that environment and that space. And I mean, being abroad now and understanding it's a cutthroat environment and, and I mean, yes, you have your downfalls in the environment. And I know we, we've spoken about this uh, in many days in many voice notes. And I mean, what has been your, your go-to in terms of rebounding from failures? Um, and I mean, we see sort of failures as, as lessons and we take it as, as they come, but how have you rebounded from them and what have been your biggest failures? What, what could you advise that maybe look at something from a different perspective as well? Um, so I don't see anything as a failure. I look at everything as a lesson and I don't like literally your mindsets about everything that you do is always going to define, you know, if, if you see something as a problem, guess what? It's a problem. Yeah. You know, I, I strongly believe in these really cheesy and cliche sayings where people are like, you know, the person who says they can and the person who says they can't are often they're, they're right. Um, so you, it all starts with belief. If you can simply believe that you can do something, then do it. And yeah. they, Yoda says, um, <laughs> they, Yoda says there's no such thing as try. Either you do or you don't. Yes. That's it. So you can try but did you do it or did you not do it? You have to just, you do or you don't. Um, so in terms of a go-to, I'm just going to grab something from my bag here. Sure. Um, so this is my bag I take with me to work every day. And in here is a book. And uh, this was given to me by my dad when I was younger. It's called The yeah. Greatest Salesman in the World. It's not even about selling. It's about attitude and persistence. So within this book, there's probably... 85 pages only, not 110 pages. Wow. You can finish this book in two days easily. And essentially what this teaches you is just all about persistence. So I've read this book, I don't know, at least 15 times. And every time that I have a bad day or I'm on the train coming home and I've been defeated from misery at the office or like a terrible meeting or whatever, I open the book. And in here, I've, I've highlighted different pieces of it that mean a lot to me. Yeah. So literally this one says, I will persist until I succeed. And it's like repeats this mantra. I will, it gives you lovely things to, to read in between, but there's, a, there's an underlying mantra that repeats in each chapter. So go to book for me. Everyone can check it out. It's everywhere. Uh, greatest salesman in the world, Ogmandino. Wow. I mean, that's, that's really like a huge, a huge sort of perspective in terms of just repeating a mantra. And I mean, a lot of us don't realize the, the power of repeating continuous words in our head, because obviously it's our mindset that really changes the way we see the world, but changes the way we conduct ourselves on a daily basis as well. And having this resource uh, now, what, what helped you along the way? I mean, in terms of the best resources that were out there at the time and maybe resources that you currently use in the work environment, expanding the work environment. 
what what has inspired you in that space obviously the book inspired you is, is one but what resources are there for for guys that are maybe looking to come into the field now what resources are are out there and what have you used and what can they use as well key people are your biggest research uh your your, your biggest resource um yeah. people 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 are uh, i'm a big believer for just simply asking questions if you don't ask you you'll never receive if you don't ask you'll never learn um so i literally i uh, meet with all kinds of people all the time be it business related or socially and i literally just ask them questions and i try and meet people that i find are interesting so guys who are managing directors ceos cfos massive massive people do you know what they probably like yes they're highly busy but if you are a young strapping hard working person and you drop them a message um generally none sorry probably one out of 10 will reply to you so you have to send yeah. a lot of messages don't don't be like pestering people but like eventually it will come back to you and someone will be like yeah let's grab a coffee and i literally had a coffee with a guy who's the managing director of uh, one of the biggest shipping companies in singapore the other day and i just asked him like how did you get here what do you study you know when did you start working what did you start yeah. as get to know people further to that linkedin is one of the greatest resources there is build yourself a great great profile that when people click on it they go wow this guy's accomplished this person is professional this person is proficient it's not necessarily you don't have to actually have work experience you don't have to have a lot of you don't need a master's degree mm-hmm. just the way that you package what you do have together and the content that you curate it illustrates the kind of person you are it's an ultimate platform for marketing yourself yes. um but not only that it's a great research tool because you can go on there and you look at a guy who's doing a job that you want to do you look at what did he study you look at where how did he get into that and their job history is listed there their education is listed there so you literally just go this guy studied um bcom general and now he is an analyst but he also did like an an analytics course here and he did this and he started there cool so that's a framework for me that i could try and it's a trial and tested um you know strategy mm-hmm. and you can apply it and hopefully you get a job so also job listings job listings often list the requirements so all you have to do is go on to job boards for the jobs that you'd like to do look at what they require and if you don't have those things get them study them Yeah. If you don't have the I mean every entry level job once you have 3 to 5 years experience how can you get that with you if you just come out of school you know um 100% work, definitely work for free and continue to build your skills until you can actually get a job so and when i say work for free i don't mean okay you need to be in such a privileged position that you have an income or you have a ha- a roof over your head that you can take time away and go do something for free yeah you are young you can burn both sides of the candle you're not going to you're not going to um run out of energy so work a job that pays you something and then work for free yeah It's literally what i did for a year straight and it got me into where i wanted to be that's kind of what we need in and it's that mindset and i mean obviously i i've seen a lot of guys and a lot of graduates come through now and they feel entitled because they have a particular qualification or maybe they've reviewed cum laude or summa cum laude in sort of their field but i'm like what is the practical knowledge that you've gained how are you going to prevent yourself from not burning out and i mean recently i've burnt out twice working during the pandemic 
And because you don't stop, you, your one environment is constantly your work environment, your home gym, it's where you're eating dinner. And I mean, it's tough. I mean, we, we battle it and we, we constantly go there. But what have been maybe mindful rituals that you've done sort of in the space? Because being a wealth manager, you're obviously a lot more client facing. Um, how have you maybe combated that? How, how have you worked around it mindfully and uh, just strategically? Um, massive, massive, massive amounts of stress. Uh, I can't tell you, I've never actually ever been under as much stress as I have been in the last year. Since I've moved here, you just have to adapt with the weight on your shoulders and take it on, on the chin and, and keep moving forward. Um, but just continuously exercising, um, yeah. taking some time for yourself. Some days I work so hard, I don't have time or energy to exercise. Um, but luckily I have a little dog. And my little dog forces me to take her for a walk because she needs to get out and have some exercise. So I get a walk in every day, early in the morning, usually before the sun's up. I walk for 45 minutes, get fresh air, um, clear my mind, think about what I want to achieve during the day, think about the things I'm grateful for. Um, I'm a big believer in always, like, whatever you, you feel grateful for, say it. I'm grateful. I have a job. I have a supportive family. I have a house, like a roof over my head. I have food in the fridge. The littlest things, man, we, we, we take them for granted. And what would you do if any of those things were gone? 100%. And I think that's what the pandemic taught us now, that, that life is so short that, yes, we, we need a job and we need income as well. But also this time of not seeing your family and, and you know, a lot, there's a lot more high risk in terms of just general living. Um, so definitely, is, it's the, the perspective is, is totally different in the way we looked at our career. And obviously, we, we trade off something rather than sacrifice something because we want a career, but we give off maybe seeing our family, but we want money. And we maybe spend it on the wrong things, but rather than maybe seeing our family and we can compensate for, for both things going either way. And through, through the entire process, what has been... Uh, an influence to you? Who who have you looked up to? Your influences through your journey, and um, what maybe some some really good, great quotes that maybe you've gotten some great advice that you've received from your mentors and influences at that time. Well, you, you just highlighted in, in your questioning that you highlighted one thing that um, is another piece of advice and a resource that people should look into getting is a mentor, yeah. having someone who's older than you even if they're just a buddy that you grab a beer with, but they're 10 or 12 years older than you and they are where you want to be. 100%. I was lucky. I was lucky enough when I arrived here, I met a South African guy in Singapore who's exactly, I think he's 10 years older than me, maybe 11 years older than me. He's been here for 12 years. Got you, so he literally got you at the same age as me, did the same job as me and became highly successful. And he's now built this great business. And so I latched onto him and I get so much value just talking to him and i'll hey man what do you think about this oh uh, i'm thinking about doing this can you help me or um how do you think i should approach this situation the, the most minuscule things and he'll just text me back and be like do this think about that why don't you look up this and it's just like okay cool yeah. um so grabbing him onto a mentor is is you, you need it again I, I, i'm saying about the resource being people 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 yes if you can um so i don't know does that answer the question yeah i think that okay. that does and i mean what what has been maybe 
one of the most, something that sticks with you, uh, that may be a mentor, or maybe you read something very inspirational, maybe someone, the book. <laughs> this little book, guys, I, I, I know I'm going to refer back to it again, but literally the one line that's in my head, always in my head is I will persist until I succeed. I will persist until I succeed. I will pers- It's literally every time life gets tough, anything that's going wrong, I literally just say I will persist until I succeed. And I go over my head. And even when I'm down, I pick myself up and I'm just like, you know, success is just repeats. It's small things repeated over and over and over. So if you just keep doing the right activities, you are going to succeed, but you're also going to have lots of lessons or failures, but lessons that teach you which are not the things that you should be doing. Like, yeah. So I, I keep referring to this book, but like, if you just open this first page, I'll read you four lines, just four lines. And it says, I will persist until I succeed. I was not delivered into this world, into defeat, nor does failure course in my veins. I am not a sheep waiting to be prodded by my shepherd. I am a lion and I refuse to talk, to walk, to sleep with the sheep. This slaughterhouse of failure is not my destiny. I will persist until I succeed. Wow, powerful. <laughs> slaughterhouse <laughs> of failure. I'm not going there, sorry. That's some that's that's powerful words and just I mean just the mindset it automatically makes you think of the worst to bring you back to where you are in the present and to appreciate the present that yes it might have been a set setback but you know maybe that strategy didn't work and you know you're trying something new now and 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 that goes to saying with coming into wealth management and obviously coming into the abundance of knowledge that you've you've experienced what, what are the myths of wealth management that, I mean, you would have had coming in that you've sort of been like, man, that doesn't exist anymore. What, that is just, that's just completely nonsense. Um, so what have, what have been those myths that you've kind of debunked? Um, all the perceptions that I had of the job um, I already kind of knew because of my background, my father being in the industry for a very long time and yeah. um, growing up around it and understanding all of it. But um, I think it's, it's not necessarily that things were debunked, but actually verified. So people, people always say that it, something is difficult, but I always go, oh, you're not me. Like that's my, my mindset has always been like, oh, they would be like, oh, it's difficult. But I've always been like, well, you're not me. I can, I believe I can do almost anything. Yeah. So then I'll, I'll try something and it's like, oh, well, this is actually pretty <laughs> tough. <laughs> and they weren't joking about this. <laughs> um, and then, so literally, this is probably one of the hardest jobs I've ever done. You arrive in a foreign country, you know no one, you must build a network and then build a, a client base. And then you have to give all the time while still learning new taxes, uh, learning new products, learning um, new systems, understanding the fund management methodology. There's so much learning um, that, that goes into it. And not only that, but then you have to build this network and phone people and say, look, do you want to talk about your finances? And they say, well, you're the same age as my son. Um, <laughs> why, do I, why do I want to talk to you? And I'm like, well, I actually have all these degrees and I'm also UK qualified, Singapore qualified and South African qualified. So I've worked in three, uh, I'm qualified for three jurisdictions. I've worked in multiple countries. Like you have to justify, you know, and Again, this comes down to the rejection and objection handling that you have to learn and overcome. Um, so 
I think that there were no myths for me that were debunked. It was just when pe like when people told me this job was tough and that you feel like you are um, you know, drinking from a waterfall in yeah. terms of the knowledge you have to gain. Uh, they, they're not joking. Um, all of this while being locked in my kitchen um, because of COVID and having to build a network and client base from scratch virtually in a new country where I know no one. Um, it wasn't easy, but now I'm, I got through that year and this year has been brilliant so far. Everything's working so well. Wow. And that, and that, that leads me to like my last final questions that are coming in, but also leads me to one of the most important questions that I feel coming from this interview. And what has 2020 given you in, in the space? And I mean, I thought about it the other day and my mentor asked me about it as well. And I was like, you know what, I, I just, I just don't know. And he's like, go write about it then and, and think about it. And I was like, man, that's, that's a tough question, but what has 2020 given you? Um, 2020 taught me to think out of the box, but not only think out of the box, but take the box and throw it out the window and forget about it. Yeah. And anything goes and you have to just do anything. You have to just try. Um, so I literally, I hosted the first virtual beer tasting in Singapore that a chamber of commerce had done. Basically, I found a supplier of South African craft beer in, um, in Singapore and then I uh, marketed it out and he got it then the craft brewer in Cape Town to come onto a call and people had the beers delivered to their door and they had a Zoom call, craft brewer here. They're tasting the beer with the guy who makes the beers and they're able to ask him questions. It was probably one of the, and I did this literally one month into lockdown in singapore yeah. and like just being able to react and move quickly and develop a strategy and and complete it like it's, it's all fun strategizing strategizing but if you don't take action and actually get it done then what's, what's what, what are you doing um so 2020 taught, taught me how to think out of the box and then take action in a way um in a way that delivers results 2020 gave me persistence. It gave me an appreciation of uh, my family, the small network that I have built, um, and obviously my, my lovely fiance for supporting me and believing in me. Um, 2020 also, it wasn't such a bad year financially either because we were unable to um, spend money you know, on silly yeah. things like coffee down the road it's like it adds up so all that money was saved and put us in a much better position to what we would have been in other ones yeah um yeah so i think that's what 2020 gave me if you were in my shoes right now um what what would you ask yourself so if hmm. now when you, when you say let, let me pose the question to you so we get get a, a good answer out of it um so when you say if I was in your shoes, so a young professional who's in South Africa, um, working hard to build a platform and, and that sort of thing. Yes. Bu building uh, up and, and growing, growing a career, but also as, so that'll be part of, part of the question, but also the second part is me as, as an interviewer right now and interviewing you, and obviously we're, we're doing a, a video call. Um, yeah. What would you, what, what have I missed maybe that you would ask yourself as well? Um, that you would like to share an additional and over the above um, that maybe we have not covered today. And I mean, we're going to do more segments and share much more knowledge 
together as we go through the series. But yeah, what 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 sort of space and what would you ask yourself? Okay, so let's go first first prong of yeah, the question. Let's go first part. Yeah. So essentially, if I was a young professional in South Africa and I was looking to build a great career, as, away from everything I've already said about just working hard, do two jobs and study and do, I mean, that everyone tells you that. Yeah. Don't be afraid to go to places people don't go to. So uh, I actually had this conversation with you, uh, I don't know, a few months back. Yeah. And I said to you, why don't you go to Nigeria and work for a bank in Nigeria? Yeah. There's standard trust banks all over the world. And they're all standardized. If you get into one of them, who says that you can't then move move to the next? And I mean, like, go to New Delhi, go to <laughs> Ghana, Kenya, Nigeria, Egypt. You know, yeah. don't be afraid to go to these places when you are young and you have nothing to lose because you can always go home. Yes. If you get an opportunity, and with the world, the way we interact now, I'm literally on the other side of the world to you, and we can have this brilliant conversation. What's yeah. stopping you from taking interviews in different countries around the world until they give you an offer? Yeah. So don't just think, okay, I'm from, I'm from the Vol Triangle, so I can only work in Johannesburg or Cape Town. Think bigger. Go literally, like, just think big and say, I'm going to go anywhere I can get a job in a tier one company that I want to work for. If you want to work for the big four like PwC or KPMG, EWA. Go somewhere weird. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's that's what it is now. And with LinkedIn, the new feature that I recently saw is remote work. And they're offering that for companies across the world. And that's the UAE, especially. I've seen tons of jobs come out from the UAE. And people just approach me like, would you like to remotely work for, for us? For And they're paying you in dollars. And it's tax-free or tax-exempt. I'm no tax specialist, so don't hold it against me. But obviously, they're paying you in a tax-free area. And um, they'll become they'll become formalities are, are revolving around the whole idea of a salary from sort of a UAE country, but yeah, that's that's I think that's that's really an important question is that technology has created a landscape where we can interact on a global level, and we should take advantage of that, and that's that's what we're missing out is taking advantage of of technology and having the access of technology and using that to the best of our advantage. I couldn't agree with you more, man. Like you literally have all the knowledge in the world at the tip of your finger on your phone. Don't be afraid just to look it up. Google weird things. Like I, if you look at my search history is you literally will see all of my ideas. I literally Google the strangest things like, like who is Putin most scared of? Like <laughs> these are the questions I find myself asking myself at like two in the morning when I can't sleep. You know? um, so yeah, I, I think as that's my advice for you. If you're a young professional, you're trying to get out and build a career and, and do that, that's some additional advice. But a question that we perhaps haven't asked or covered is hmm, um, balance. Balance. So I know, I know we spoke about mindfulness. Um, now, this is something that I'm personally battling with right now, and I'm still learning. This is because, yes, we're... 20 26 27 years old um yeah. not kids anymore i'm still but i'm learning every day um not only professionally but personally uh, and i'm i'm still trying to understand balance i'm still trying to figure out okay yeah you can work 10 12 14 hours a day but then yeah. 
like the other parts of you are neglected. Like I've always been a fit and healthy person and I love exercise and working out and stuff. And this week I went to the gym and I basically pulled my back out because I was so fatigued, stressed, and I haven't actually worked my body and stretched like in the way I should have. Um, and it got me thinking like, there's no balance here. It's a hundred percent work. Yeah. Where's my time? And so literally Ashley said to me, why don't you just put an hour in your diary every day to do something for you? And I was like, that's pretty cool. So away from just walking the dog, if I actually want to go for a workout or just go and have a coffee somewhere and just chill, just take an hour, do it. Do it. No, I think that's, that's a great way to, to cap off our sort of chat. And I mean, balance is highly important when it, when you start, start moving through the ranks, but you also start taking on a lot more, excuse me. And when, when you start taking a lot more, that, that personal time needs to need to come in for yourself, but also the time for your relationship, the time for your partner, the time for your dog as well, and your pets. And I mean, everyone, um, and they all form part of your family and part of your circle as well. So I think on that note, with, I think with all the balance, and I continuously wish you the best for your career ahead and the year ahead for 2021. I mean, we always stay in touch. We, we voice noting every, pretty much every week, and we're chatting on LinkedIn and just new ideas and new perspectives. So again, uh, where can people reach you if they if they want to get in contact? Maybe, maybe Instagram or LinkedIn, and um, yeah, just to chat about ideas that they may have or running through some ideas that you've experienced that they want to chat to. Feel feel free. My name is literally Michael Booth on LinkedIn. You can find me. Um, there's a lot of Michael Booths in the world. Don't be surprised. So literally Michael Booth, Singapore, and then you will find me. Um, and I'm on LinkedIn daily posting articles and all my events that I host. I also host uh, numerous events. Uh, last week I did one on how to take advantage of market volatility. Um, for example, so if you wanted to attend one of my events, no matter where you are in the world, they're usually for free. Um, you join the webinar and you get some knowledge. Um, and yeah, so LinkedIn is probably the best place to get me. Okay, 100%. And that's that's it, folks. And you've heard Michael Booth. He's based in Singapore. He has a lovely connection and he's always willing to share knowledge. And I think that's that's the idea of the podcast going, going ahead uh, for this journey. It's about just sharing knowledge and sharing experience, but also sharing the network that I've gained and the people and the lessons that I've taken from them, just to share them with you and you can interact with them on sort of that level and professional level and get that experience. So with that, Michael, thanks so much. It's been a fantastic conversation. And um, yeah, and hopefully we can stay in touch. And obviously we're going to stay in touch, but (laughs) uh, the next time you're in South Africa, I'm excited for your wedding um, later this year. (laughs) And uh, I'll I'll definitely be cooking. Uh, when we back in slummies for, for the wedding. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Look, um, I also just want to say that this is a, a brilliant initiative and um, I wholeheartedly support you. And if, if there's anything more that I can do uh, for you or the audience, just get in touch and I'll, I'll always try and help. Perfect, Michael. Thanks so much. Have a great one and we'll chat soon. All right. Cheers now. Cheers.